Welcome to Hey You Got This podcast. We are your hosts, and my name is Stacia. And my name is Lizzie. And we are here to bring you all topics on wellness with a little bit of weirdness. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about our sober, curious lifestyle. Ooh, I like that. That sounds good. That sounds interesting. Have you read the book Sober Curious? You have no, to read it. I want to um, read it. It's so good, but she, okay. I mean, we can like talk about <laughs> this in the podcast. This can just be like part of the podcast. But yeah, she's basically like us and is like, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not like, I don't have a drinking problem. I just like, I'm curious about sobriety. Yeah. And like, you know, she's like, yeah, if I'm like at a wedding, I might have a glass of champagne. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying I'll never drink ever. But yeah, she describes herself as sober curious, which I thought was very fitting. I think that that is really fitting. I feel like it's hard in today's society to make a decision around something that is so socially normal and accepted mm-hmm. and be like, no, I it just isn't for me without people being like, what, you're an alcoholic? And it's like, actually, you can choose to not engage in a certain activity <laughs> just because it isn't for you, not because you have a problem yeah. with it. <laughs> and with like... I think she talks about this in the book or maybe it was like in something else I saw, but it's like if a vegetarian was like, hi, I don't eat meat, you would never be like, oh, are you like a beefaholic? Like, (laughs) do you have a problem with meat? Like, that just, you would just be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, Stacia doesn't eat meat or like Stacia doesn't eat cheese, whatever, moving on. But everybody else is like what you don't drink yeah it's just crazy and I think it's such an important topic to discuss because I think it's something that more people are exploring and that it's something that should be explored so why should we just assume that because that's what everybody else does that it's what we should have to choose for ourselves yeah totally and I think it's like I don't know. It's It was liberating for me as I was starting to think about just like not really wanting to drink to see other people who just were choosing not to drink and being very, I feel like you and I are both pretty casual about it. Like yeah. we're like, oh yeah, I just like don't really drink. And that was really helpful for me to see that example versus like, yeah, the people who not to discount people who have drink, drinking problems, but like that's not where I'm at. Yeah. And so that was really helpful to see people who are like we are now, who are just kind of like, yeah, I just don't really like this. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this is something that people, again, that we're starting to explore more. And I'm really excited to dive deep into kind of both of our experiences with this. And I know in our coaching calls, this was something that came yeah. up between us because you had done a sober October and inspired me to do it. And then you did a dry January and we kept coming back to these conversations of what our experiences were in dealing with like intentional sobriety. Yeah. And I do think too, that's something that like Stacia and I have, that's been really helpful is we already have a pretty strong mindfulness practice. And I don't know about you, we can get into this, but I feel like having a really intentional practice and just being more aware of like myself and how I interact with the world has definitely helped like this whole sobriety journey too. 100%. I realized it did not take long once I was more mindful to realize how much I did not like the way that alcohol affected me or (laughs) how I felt or my day the next day. I just, uh, it was time. I feel like for me, I just couldn't 
I was so used to feeling so good and so much better in my body and about mm-hmm. myself. And alcohol would take me completely out of that space. And I hated it. And I'd be like, why would I choose to do this? <laughs> like, wait, I'm like actively doing this to myself on purpose. Yeah. I know it's insane. Well, so we wrote down a couple of questions. Yes, please. Last week. Let's dive um, so into let's those. Let's just dive in. What would you say sparked your interest or your journey in alcohol-free living? Well, Lizzie, it's funny you should ask because I feel like this is an extremely loaded question to send my way first, but we might as well get right into it. You don't have to talk about it. No, I don't mind talking about it. It's just one of those things where we get real deep real fast. So, I mean, that's us. That's welcome to the life of Station Lizzie. (laughs) So for me, I would definitely say that... uh, I had a very unhealthy relationship with alcohol. I wouldn't go so far as to say I was an alcoholic. And for me, alcohol in college, I was your typical like party college kid in the sense that I would drink heavily on the weekend. And Mm -hmm. I thought that that was like normal because that's what people did. And uh, it's actually kind of sad to reflect back on those days. Like my roommates at the time were... They gauged how drunk they got that weekend on a scale of one to Stacia drunk. Like, that was the barometer with which we measured how (laughs) wasted we got was like you were either sober or Stacia drunk, which was like out of control. (laughs) So if that gives you any idea of me and my relationship with alcohol back in the day, like that pretty much sums up my college experience. And then let's fast forward into graduating and entering into some form of adulthood. And uh, I still kept up the pretty heavily partying on the weekends and drinking. And I guess for me, I would say I never felt like I was an alcoholic or dependent on like having a chemical dependency because I wasn't drinking by myself. I wasn't drinking during the week. It was purely in a social setting, but I definitely was using alcohol as a method of coping with not wanting to like face my life or the realities and the things that I didn't want to have to change about myself or look at about myself. And so then I guess for me, I started the big pivot for me into lessening my drinking and reflecting on how much I drank and when I drank, et cetera, would be when I got arrested for drinking and driving. <laughs> so that, that will sober it's just you. funny how you said that. That will sober you up very quickly. So I'm sure. Uh, and I mean, besides just going through that whole process, I also had an ignition interlock device in my car for a year, which meant any time to drive my car, I had to breathe into a blow and go. Otherwise, oh, wow. my car wouldn't start. So I couldn't even drink kombucha and drive my car. It was uh, hardcore. So I got at that point, I was basically forced to reevaluate drinking in my life. And I thank God every single day for that experience, because I know I wouldn't be where I was today without that wake up call, without that rock bottom. And I hope that other people can make these realizations without reaching those rock bottoms. <laughs> yeah. That it doesn't take getting arrested to realize that like, hey, maybe I have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol that I need to start examining and exploring more. So 
for me, that was the beginning, but it really was like the very beginning because it's been what, four or five years now. Wow. And uh, I feel like I'm just now realizing that I don't really have any interest in having alcohol be a part of my life. Like I still would drink from time to time, but just much less. So, I mean, I can I can go deeper into what it's like to be arrested for <laughs> drinking and driving. But, like, I had a trial by jury, just so you know, and that is not wow. a fun experience. It was very intense and took a big toll on, like, just me. I was forced to take responsibility for my actions, and I think mm-hmm. that was such a powerful lesson for me that there was no one else I could blame but myself and I made that choice and now I had to face the consequences and that I could use that as a story that victimized me or I could use that as a story that empowered me and I could come back from it having learned something from it and I am grateful that I chose the latter because now it's one of my most like powerful stories as opposed to like a story that holds a lot of shame for me. So I I would say that I have had a pretty toxic relationship with alcohol. And so for me, it's definitely a really big thing for me to keep in mind and to pay attention to and to reflect on because I have had those instances where it just really has negatively impacted my life. And realizing that I don't really want it to be a part of my life. So, yeah. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) I will be taking photographs at the end. Yeah, no, and I think, like, what you just said is a point that I've been coming to terms with. Is that, like, I, I think it's really hard for anybody, whether they want to admit it or not, to have a healthy relationship with alcohol because alcohol is an addictive substance. Like just like facts, right? Like it's something that it's just like facts. addictive it's and poison. It's, it's facts. It's poison. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's just not good for you. And I mean, we can go into all the studies that are like having a glass of wine every night is manana. Good um, for your heart but, health. Yeah. But if you like, you know, look into those studies, they were maybe like, funded by the alcohol industry Mm -hmm. or people are just like grasping at straws for this one fact. But yeah, I think like what you said, it's just really hard to have a healthy relationship with alcohol. And something I have realized in the last like six or seven months that I've like pretty much just not been drinking is even people who I thought had a really healthy relationship with alcohol are the ones who are then like, yeah, I really also don't want to drink. I just feel like I like can't not drink, you know, like it's so ingrained in our culture and our society. It's um, how we socialize. Yeah. And I mean, we're social creatures. So it's like, wait, how do I socialize without this thing that is like the number one socializer? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And I think that was like huge for me is just realizing kind of taking a step back again, being really mindful and looking at all of the times where we and like myself had like integrated it into things just thinking that I needed to or that's what I was supposed to do and realizing like that I just really didn't need it so for me like I didn't have a moment necessarily Mm -hmm. where I like realized I had to change but I just I think it was like September of last year 2019 even like before that I had just kind of been like I really don't think that I like this that much like I was just kind of starting to realize like I would always even if I had one glass of wine 
I would be just exhausted the next day or like my anxiety would just be Mm -hmm. through the roof. And I was just kind of starting to be like, you know, this is supposed to like help me relax. But even if I just have one drink, I feel like garbage Mm -hmm. (laughs) the next day. And then I started kind of reflecting just because I feel like you and I are like pretty reflective people. Uh, Like I can't not reflect. And I just like I started thinking about like high school when I started drinking and I was realizing that there were all these parties that I went to where I just didn't drink at all because I didn't like how it made me feel or how it tasted. And then like, you know, definitely there also were times in college where I was or in high school and in college where I was like very drunk. Um, (laughs) But like I was just reflecting on how it started and realizing that like at first when like alcohol kind of came into the picture, I was very much like, I don't like this. I don't want to be drunk. I hate this feeling. Mm -hmm. And then it's sort of that thing we do of like, oh, it's an acquired taste. You'll get used to it. And then in college, it was very much a part of like my friend group culture. We were Mm -hmm. all athletes. So there was like one night a week where we didn't have practice the next day. And so everybody would just go kind of like you were saying, like Stacia drunk. It was like a competition, right? Like it would be like the rowers party so hard. And we would all just like get so, so drunk. Like we would have keg races, like, (laughs) which, right. Like which team can finish this keg the quickest or like date in a fifth parties where like, you would have somebody and you would share a fifth with them, which like half a fifth is so much oh alcohol. My God, that um, is. And yeah. And Ouch. just these things that it was like so normalized. And so yeah. like, we don't have practice tomorrow. So like we have to just go as hard as we possibly can. And it was like kind of a competition. And, and can then, we please you know, observe that literally the point of drinking games is to get you drunk as quickly as possible and consuming copious amounts of alcohol. Terrible. What a terrible game. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Like it's not a fun game for anybody. Um, but I just feel like that's so much a part of college life. And then like, so naturally we all graduated and like, I've just felt like, you know, me and my friends or like meeting new friends. It was so much just like, Oh, let's go to your point. Yeah. Like grab a drink or let's like have some wine and, I was, yeah, I was just doing it all the time. And like, I would realize sometimes like, oh, I've had a drink every single night this, the last month and like not getting drunk, but just like having alcohol every single day. And just kind of, I think it's hard when you are like Stacia and I, and you were like in the wellness, fitness, health, whatever you want to call it world, like full time then to also be like, oh, but I'm like, just putting poison in my body. Okay. But on that note, can we please talk about how there has been an influx for drinking and fitness events like yoga and beer and wine. And like, I literally, there is a studio in New York that has a full bar inside of it. Oh, that's crazy. And they encourage drinking after class. And it just boggles my mind that this is the direction that we're taking it that we're literally infusing this thing it's just everywhere into like let's make fitness more approachable for people that enjoy alcohol like I don't know Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's a very interesting marrying of two things that don't really don't go go together together very well yeah, no, and it's it's so funny that you say that because my friends have um, it's called Just Add Yoga, and it's a company I used to teach for them. They're they're amazing, yeah. but they would 
have these yoga events at like bars because it is a really good way to get people who are maybe really nervous into a yoga class because mm-hmm. then they're, they're going to have something they're familiar with at the end. But it is like, and so I think, you know, they were doing it really well in that like you can come, you don't have to drink. Yeah. But it, it was a good way to like integrate people into yoga. But I've also seen ones where people are just drinking during class and yeah. like, how is that productive? You know? Yes. So, um, yeah. I think that there's a fine balance. I just think that it's an interesting thing to bring bring into the wellness space to combine two very contrasting ideas that we're here to get healthy, but we're going to participate in an activity that we know is not healthy for us. Totally. And that's kind of, I guess, like for me, what really sparked it is I was just like, man, I am all about like being mindful and being healthy and just like constantly reassessing your like health and wellness. And I'm doing this to myself. And so... As I was like having all of these thoughts, um, one of my like really good friends was like, hey, I want to stop drinking. Like, I feel like I'm drinking too much. And I think my friends all know that I'm always up for like weird challenges or just like any sort of fun health and like fitness challenge I will do. And they were like, will you do Sober October with me? Because it was kind of the end of September. And I was like, yeah, that sounds so fun. And like, that's when everybody's starting to drink like fall drinks and Halloween drinks. And I did it. And then I just like kind of never stopped. (laughs) I was like, this is great. Like I definitely have drank maybe a handful of times since then. But every time I do, I'm like, ugh, this is terrible. Like this tastes gross. I feel disgusting. Like I just don't like it anymore. So yeah. And I think you, you can have either like neither of our approaches is good or bad but you just kind of arrive at these things and then you're like oh yeah and I feel feel fortunate that for me it is really easy for me to just have one drink and say that's enough yeah that's not at a place where I feel like I'm out of control with alcohol which I definitely think that in the past I was a bit more out of control. So it's totally. nice to know, like, I feel, again, very blessed because I do know that as a highly addictive substance that there are plenty of people that do struggle with the addiction yeah. side to alcohol. And so I am speaking from a place where I feel confident in saying that I am not approaching it from having an addictive uh, like having an addictive yeah. chemical dependency on alcohol. So I do want to encourage if you are listening to this podcast and you feel like it's deeper than just, oh, like this would be a nice lifestyle change to see how I would feel if your struggles go deeper than that, that there are a lot of really amazing resources available 100%, yeah. to you and that 12-step programs are incredible, amazing, life-changing things and that you can be encouraged through actual sobriety beyond just two girls being like, yeah, it's like cool not to drink. (laughs) Totally. There are plenty of resources out there and I'm always happy to like discuss with anybody if they feel like this is something that's really something they struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a good point too. Like we are not trying to discount that like addiction is very real. We're just sharing our experience more of like, yeah, being people who didn't have like really necessarily a problem with alcohol and the fact that it was like ruining our lives, but just kind of getting more to the point of like, I don't really want to do this. And I do think like what Stacia said is really great. Like you can have 
one drink. You know, like if you feel like you're able to do that, that's not a bad thing. And we are like the last people to judge anybody. For me, I just realized like, even if I had one drink, like I just have always thought like, oh, I just have really bad anxiety. I have really bad depression. And I've realized if even if I have one drink, like alcohol throws off your brain chemistry. That's just like a fact. Um, And my anxiety, like it just makes my anxiety so bad the next day. And I hadn't really made that connection until I took alcohol out. And then I was like, oh, wait, like I can feel... (laughs) Like this, this is so amazing. And so that like, I personally like choose just not really to even have one drink because I know that it like how it affects my brain chemistry. It makes me just like so anxious that I, it's like kind of debilitating, but I totally support people drinking in moderation or drinking like, you know, some people are like, I don't drink at all, but I drink on Saturdays and I don't care how much, you know, like whatever it is that you need to do, do that. I've just found for me this works better right now. That could change. 100%. There are moments where I feel like I'm very firm in that I don't need alcohol. And then Mm -hmm. there's other moments where like the idea of starting to date again. And I'm like, how do I enter into the dating world without with when alcohol is such a common factor in going on dates, like let's meet up for a drink. And I'm like, okay, so how am I going to approach that? Because uh, that just adds in a whole nother layer. But I totally agree that for me, even too, having a drink can lead to, for me, it wasn't so much anxiety or, Mm -hmm feelings of depression as it was, it was a reminder of taking me to a space of lack of self-worth and insecurity. So for me, when I drink, like my, I revert back to like super low self-esteem. Totally. Yeah. And I I do not like being low self-esteem Stacia. Like I've worked really hard to build up my esteem and self-worth and I feel pretty great on a daily basis because of some tremendously challenging work that I've done for myself. And so for me, it is, it's been a very powerful choice because I've been able to then remain in integrity with myself, which is something that has been really important to me. Whereas alcohol literally takes me out of my self-worth and I really don't like that. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm actually good. Thank you. And so now now thinking about dating, I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do because that is when I approach dating, I want to show up as my most worthy, authentic self. And so bringing alcohol into the mix is not going to allow me to show up as that being for myself and for the other person that I want to draw into my life. And so it's just been an interesting exploration. I'll be curious to see how it goes. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Keep us posted on all of your, like, (laughs) just be super vulnerable. And I have to say, like, I am very lucky in that I am not dating right now like I'm married (laughs) (laughs) um so it was like a lot easier also be really difficult though totally because being somebody that wants to make a sober choice if you have a partner that's like no just drink a little it's like anytime you try to be healthier your partner can honestly be somebody that brings you down yeah like totally fucks it up I know and like 
my, I mean, my husband just is amazing. That's why I'm married to him. <laughs> like he Yay, was, go Dan. yeah, Dan, we love you. Um, yeah. So like with Dan, um, like when I said, I don't really want to drink anymore, he was just like, cool. Let me know like how I can support you. I'll stop bringing you home canned wine. Cause like when I do drink, I love a can of wine. Um, that was like my favorite thing for a while. And Yeah, like, he's been really supportive, and I, like, really don't notice it. And he also doesn't really drink that much either. But, like, I do think it's important to share that when we first started, like, the time that I told Dan that I had feelings for him in college, we were at a party so wasted. Like, I'm not trying to say that, like, we've never had alcohol in our relationship ever. And, like, yeah, I just, like, I feel like that's important to say. But I also, like... I, you know, I hear some people now that my friends know that I'm like, I mean, it hasn't been a long time, but since I'm like not super drinking a ton now, um, like some of my friends are like, you know, oh, I don't know if I could do that. And like, that's so I, wow, I really don't remember where I was going with this. I had like a really good thought in my head and then I just lost it. Kill me now. I remembered it. I remembered it. So I have a lot of friends now who like just because I try to be more open about like not really drinking, but also not being like, I'm at X days or like, you know, just like, I don't really drink that much anymore. And people have expressed a lot of interest in that to me, but been like, I don't know how, like, honestly, how my partner would respond to that because like our thing on the weekend is going to breweries or like, we love splitting a bottle of wine together and Like, I understand that that's a problem that people have. I think I'm really, really lucky that, like, my husband was really supportive. But I also think I've been surprised in, like, kind of embracing this sober, curious lifestyle. How many people I was like, oh, they are not going to go for this. That are like, oh, my God, I've also been wanting to cut back on drinking. I'm so glad you are in the same spot. Like, it's been really way better than I thought it was going to be. People are, like, so much more supportive than I imagined. And I think that you make such a good point, though, is that people who might be in partnerships where they're afraid of how their partner might react, who knows, maybe you might invite them to explore it with you, and then you guys have different activities. I remember when you and I first started coaching together, And you were like, yeah, like Dan gets home from work and we share a beer or we Mm -hmm. have a beer or a glass of wine and catch up. And then you switched it for now Dan and I go for walks. Yeah. And we found this really awesome way to connect and honestly make our relationship stronger because we had taken the alcohol as a means to bond. But what we really wanted out of it was just wanted to like spend time time together. together. So you don't need the alcohol to do that. So I would, it, it could be a blessing on your relationship to be Mm -hmm. curious about it and to explore it and to have that open and honest conversation with your partner that it's something that you're interested in checking out. Right. And there was so much of, which I feel like a lot of people can probably relate to or might find is the same case for them when they talk to their partner. Like, a lot of it is Dan was like, oh, well, like, I've just been doing that because, like, I knew you liked it, you know? Exactly. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Okay, cool. right. Like, he was so, you know, he was so chill about it. And he was just like, yeah, I only, like, you know, bring home blah, blah, blah beer or, like, have suggested we go to blah, blah, blah bar because, like, I know you really like it. And he was just like, so, yeah, I just won't do it. And I was, you know, it was, like, the most casual conversation ever. And I think that, like, a lot of you, if you do end up having that, 
conversation with your partner might notice the same thing. <laughs> it's absolutely or ridiculous friend, yeah. how often you go through things and assume something about the other person and they're over there assuming the same thing about you. And so you're both doing something you don't want to do, but you think you have yeah. to because it's for the other person. It's like, if you just talk about it, and I mean, who knows, maybe there, again, there are a lot of people who struggle with drinking and abusing alcohol. And so the conversation might not go as well right. if someone's yeah. struggling with uh, bigger issues beyond just like, oh, like, yeah, we drink. It's fun. Um, I can see not <laughs> doing it. We drink. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And I do think, yeah, like you just might be really surprised what your partner has to say or your friends. Like I have also yeah. like gone out with friends and been like, hey, I'm not going to drink tonight. Just like wanted to let you know, please don't buy me a shot. Um, and they're like, oh, I'm also not drinking. Like, and then we all just drive ourselves home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yes. it's just so, uh, yeah, I think Stacia made a really good point of we all make assumptions and like do this to make other people comfortable and they're doing it to make us comfortable. And everybody's just uncomfortable. Everybody's <laughs> uncomfortable. And Dan always says, you know what happens when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. <laughs> and very, it's very true. So true. So what are like some other things that have surprised you about making this transition? I guess this hasn't so much surprised me, but yeah. when you talk about like bringing it up with your friends and it, how it can be challenging, if you, if, Drinking has been a really big part of your identity and a really big part of your life. You might notice that you have made friends with people that enable unhealthy choices and decisions on your part. And so maybe they're not the type of friends that you can have the conversation about not yeah. wanting to drink without them being like, oh, come on, just have a shot. It doesn't matter. Like, uh, And they might not be the most supportive friends to be around in a time where you're trying to be more curious about sobriety yeah. and not drinking. And I think that it's important to note that like finding groups of people that can support you through those decisions is really important mm -hmm. because I know it can be hard. And a lot of people who do still enjoy drinking can be oddly threatened by the fact that you don't. And like, it's a personal attack on them that you don't want to drink. Yeah. That's so, such a good point. I think that that's something that might be encountered. And again, it's really relationships are difficult and I'm They're not so like, hard. going to sit here and be like, drop them. Like you don't need friends like that. Get yourself better friends. Like, uh, <laughs> Easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they have their hurt and their things that they're bringing to the table through their reaction to your choice to not drink. But that's just something that I wanted to mention. Totally. And I think like that is also something that kept me from like making this transition for a long time, even though I was like really curious about it. Cause I was like, well, what about my my friends, but I have found in the last couple of years, like some friendships that were just centered around, I don't know, like us sharing a bottle of wine or like, you know, just really unwinding after a Friday night of work, like really weren't that deep. And I'm not friends with those people anymore because all we had in common was like, we were just, you know, just kind of be dumb together, which that's not bad if you have friends that you like to do yeah. things with at all. But I do think like this transition has forced me to really reevaluate some of my friendships and the good, like you just, you also see the ones that you're like, Oh, 
this friendship or we have so much fun together because we really get along, not because of drinking. Like I feel like 99% of my friends, like since I've stopped drinking, it's like, oh, we just have fun together. Like it's not the alcohol, but I'm thinking that like we only had fun together because of alcohol. Like I feel like I have a lot more fun (laughs) now, honestly. (laughs) Do you know what totally just popped into my head? What? I'm going to be a total 90s baby here and love it. friends because I always think of fun Bobby and he's like uh, Monica's dating him and yeah. everybody's like fun Bobby, fun Bobby. And then they just realize he has a terrible drinking problem. And so he gets sober and then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, he is such a downer. And right. not that that's what happens when you stop drinking, but you might notice that like all these things that you're like, oh, we have so much fun together. Yeah, totally. It's like, was it because you had a great friendship or because you guys were like drinking together or whatever Right. Is? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like you get a lot of really good info about relationships and I've been really lucky in that like the majority of them I've been like oh this is just a really great friendship and like we can talk about really like deep things you Mm -hmm. know that you like maybe wouldn't broach otherwise but I certainly have a couple relationships that have friendships that have ended in the last few years because I'm like the only thing we had in common was drinking like was going out to happy hour or like getting together on a Friday night at one of our places and just like drinking and then falling asleep watching a movie or something. And like, we wouldn't actually talk about anything. Yeah. And really the friendships you want in your life are the ones where you can feel safe to explore things that are interesting to you without yeah. fear of judgment or rejection. Which is, opinion. yeah, I 100% <laughs> agree. So yeah, I think it's like, I don't know, before I went on this journey, I was like, I'm not going to have any friends. It's going to be terrible. And I'm like, oh, I pretty much have the exact same friends. And We have, like, I have more fun with them and none of them cared. Like, every single person I've told has been like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm just like, I'm not drinking tonight or whatever. Nobody has made a big deal about it. And I do think also if you do encounter anyone who makes a huge deal about it, which I have not yet, knock on wood, just know that that might be more a reflection of them than a reflection of you, which I know is a hard concept to, like, really, really grasp. But, um 100%. Well, I want to turn the question on you because (laughs) I realized that uh, I didn't really answer the question that you asked, but I feel (laughs) like uh, you're going to do a good job answering it. So what is one thing that you feel like you've discovered or one cool thing that you've noticed since embarking on this journey of... What, what was the word? Con- oh, God. sober curious. Thank sober, you. I was yeah. like conscious sobriety. Conscious. Like, well, no, I mean, curious, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, yeah. So I, it's been just like a lifelong. Oh, I just found something random in my pocket. Um, I always have just been like, oh, I'm just a tired person. Like I'm just yeah. a sleepy girl. Like I work from home. I often feel the need to take naps. I always am like. I love energy drinks. I love caffeine. And I thought I was just like a pretty tired person. And I mean, even when I was like a little kid and obviously was not drinking, my parents would just be like, yeah, you like loved naps. (laughs) But since not drinking, I've definitely realized that I have way more energy that like I've been getting up early and going to workout classes and like staying up late and just feeling a lot more refreshed. And so 
I think it's so funny because I was really investigating my diet and my exercise and my vitamins and never thought to be like, oh, what happens if I take alcohol out of the Mm -hmm. equation for my energy levels? And I just have like so much more energy. Like it's wild. Like I used to be one of those people when someone would say like, oh, I just naturally wake up at seven. I would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, (laughs) What's wrong with you? You're a monster. (laughs) Um, And now I am that person. Like I I wake up earlier (laughs) um, and I am a monster. (laughs) At least an alien. (laughs) Yeah, I'm an alien. But it's like that has really surprised me of like, oh, I just... I was like putting something in my body that's just naturally hard for your body to process. Yeah. Um, and that like kind of messes up your brain chemistry and your body works yeah. really hard to like metabolize it so it can't focus on other things. And yeah. when you do that, you're when you take it out of the equation, your body just feels a lot better. So it has a lot more energy to put towards other things. And I feel like that was one of the big things for me was it was my DUI was very timely and that it kind of catapulted me into my fitness journey. Right. Because I had more time and energy to put towards the gym and I was feeling so good about that that I didn't want to take that away by excessively drinking because all that drinking would do would cause for me to overeat, sleep, and not move. Right. And that wasn't really conducive with the goals that I had at the time. So it was an easier choice for me to be like, you know what, even though it's kind of funny in retrospect, because I moved to Las Vegas, and that's when I started being more sober curious. Right. Ironically. Yeah. You would think it'd be the opposite. People like, whoa, you lived in Las Vegas. I was like, chill guys. I was in bed by 10 and up at six. Like my life is not that exciting. That's like such a good example though. Like you can do this even in Vegas, you know, like you can do this anywhere. You really can. You can, you can choose the environment that you put yourself in. And if you're in an environment that isn't supportive of the choices that you want to make, find a different environment. Like one thing that my therapist always says to me is you get to choose what table you sit at. And that one, I always try to think about that with anything in my life. Like when I reflect on the relationships I've chosen, he's like, you chose to sit at that table. And I'm like, yes, I did. I did make that choice. That was my (laughs) choice. That was (laughs) me. Thank (laughs) you. I was not forced to be shackled to that table. That was my choice. Uh, So that uh, if an environment or a relationship isn't helping you on your journey towards exploring perhaps a more sober lifestyle, then you're not, you can, you have a choice. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, when you start working out or you change your diet or what, you know, start meditating, I think you really hit the nail on the head with like, now I just know how good I can feel. And even though I'm not like totally swearing off alcohol, I often now I'm just like, I don't really want alcohol. Cause I just know, even if it's like, you know, a glass of wine or a beer, I just know how I'll feel the next day. And I just don't want to, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, I feel great. So obsessed with sleep and getting quality sleep. And Girl. if I have even a drink, I usually wake up at three in the morning dehydrated and I don't go back to sleep for two hours. And then yeah. my whole day is ruined and I'm like damn you alcohol curse you (laughs) why did I do this to myself I know yeah I know it's pretty crazy favorite thing on the planet do you have any like tips or resources that you would recommend to people who are like 
maybe wanting to start this, but are just like, um, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I feel like uh, I have uh, some tips. I, I'm excited to hear your recommendations because I know you've actually done some reading and more concrete things yeah. on it. Whereas for me, it was more like, oh, I got arrested. I don't, I now I have something in my car that really prevents I mean, me that's from ever drinking. <laughs> to like put it in like a good light. That's pretty great. Like it just forces you to get it done, you know? Yeah. So I was put into a situation where I didn't really have a choice. I mean, I did. I know plenty of people. Well, I don't know plenty. I know a few that I met in Vegas that had had like three DUIs and had made zero changes in their life. And I was like, huh, interesting. Right. So I am grateful that I took that lesson and I marked it as learned. Thank you. But I do think that just like with anything is to allow yourself the space to quote unquote, try different things for yourself and see how it feels for you. So say you're like, yeah, I don't like drinking. I'm not going to drink anymore. And then you drink and you feel awful don't beat yourself up over it. It's not, I've had plenty of those moments on this journey towards Mm -hmm. being like, you know what? I feel like I'm that much closer to being like, I don't need alcohol. I'm not going to have it be a part of my life. But I still, after I did Sober October, I, it was my birthday. And so the day that it was over, I was having a birthday celebration and I was like, yay, time to drink. And I ended up having like three drinks and just got in a fight with somebody. And it was just like a tumultuous, terrible feeling and just totally took me out of my worth, like I said, and brought me to that insecure, terrible place. And so that was a big aha moment. And I was reading in my mindfulness book, actually, and it was saying that honestly, it's incredibly helpful to have those moments where you don't meditate for a long time because then you come back to it and you realize so much from that lack of practice. So you can take this moment where it was, for me, I was like, see, Stacia, like I told you, you don't want to drink. This makes it feel terrible. (laughs) And uh, taking that moment and being like, oh, but this taught me a lot. It just reinforced that I want to be making different decisions for myself. And so that it's okay if you make this decision and then you don't necessarily stick to it as you intended to. Again, like it's about exploring what works for you and that there are going to be hiccups along the way and that you're not going to be perfect, especially if you're going from previously drinking and not necessarily even in excess, but drinking socially or just or just not really even paying attention to drinking and just it's something that's a part of your life. And now you're like, well, maybe I want to explore what it's like if it's not a part of my life. And maybe that looks like, okay, before I used to unwind with a glass of wine at the end of every night, maybe I'm going to take one of those days away where I don't have wine that night. Yeah. And then maybe that turns into two days and just allow yourself the space to see what it's like with or without and to be curious and to just ask yourself questions, reflect. It's not about judging yourself for the choices that you're making, but just really getting in touch with such a good point. how it makes you feel and your relationship with it. Because you know me, I'm like hardcore like relationships and yeah. knowing how you have relationships with all these things in your life. It's not just people. It's the relationships with alcohol, relationships with food, relationships with your body, relationship with yourself. There's so many things that go into it. 
and understanding your relationship with alcohol is a unique relationship mm-hmm. and that that's something for you to decide what you want that relationship to look like and be for yourself. Such a good point. Mm. So wise. Yeah, it takes a lot of fucking up in life to get this wise. So <laughs> you're Stop welcome. It. Here's all my wisdom without having to do all the stupid shit that I did. Oh my God, I love you. <laughs> um, yeah, I am kind of the opposite of Stacia in that, like, if I decide I'm going to do something, I'm like, I'm going balls to the wall on this. <laughs> um, and I think, like, both approaches are very good, right? Like do what works for you. But for me, I was like, okay, I want to like not drink or try this out. And I wanted to do like a challenge or something. So I found this book called The Alcohol Experiment that's 30 days long. And you like learn new like scientific facts about alcohol every day. And there's like mindfulness prompts, journal prompts, which I love. All for it. Yeah. And it was definitely like And I also think this is kind of the like, not problem, but like one of the things I don't love about alcohol resources is it was like definitely geared towards people who had like a problem, not just people Mm -hmm. who were like, what happens if I like don't drink? Um, But I did that and I really loved it. And I was like, I'm going to do this for like the whole 30 days and like really reflect and go all in and take time every morning to read this book and like meditate on it or journal about it. And then I just like kept going and I really enjoyed just learning about like the facts of what alcohol does to your body. It made it like Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier, I was like, oh, this is why I feel so anxious. Like it it literally is like throwing off my brain chemistry and makes you anxious. Um, And so I read a lot of books. I read the book Sober Curious, which I mentioned earlier, Quit Like a Woman, Nice. Um, yeah. Well, and like, I like that you have all these books because yeah. I have yet to read these. And now I'm like, okay, add it to the list. They're good. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I like, I like to listen to them on audio just as I'm like, awesome. you know, doing stuff. And like I said, they're definitely, the majority of them are really geared towards like, if you have maybe more of an extreme problem than I do, or like you're facing addiction, but it was, I tried to find resources that were written by women. That was really important to me. And just like Mm -hmm. hear other stories from people who were being really vulnerable about like just trying not to have alcohol. And I I really enjoyed that. And then there's also a lot of really cool like Instagram accounts you can find that are just like women who don't drink um, for whatever reason. Right. And so just trying to be like station. I always say just mindful about like the media I was consuming. I unfollowed mm-hmm. a lot of like breweries 100%. and wineries and distilleries just cause I was like, I don't really need this content like in my face. And yeah, so it was like, it was good. Those, those helped me a lot. And I think the tips I would just second what Stacia said is like, just be aware, be observant, just notice how you feel when you do or don't do things and be kind to yourself. Like, especially if you're like us and not like having a really, really hardcore relationship with alcohol and you're just kind of curious about changing it up, just be like observant. But also like if you do want to have a drink one night, you're not like a monster. That's just what you're doing. You know, like it's not. Yeah. But make that choice intentionally, not subconsciously, because what I'm come to realize is that so many of my choices in life, I was acting from a subconscious place and from a subconscious place of fear. All my decisions were based in totally. Fear. And I drank out of fear. I drank out of fear that I wasn't going to be loved. I drank out of fear that someone wasn't going to choose me. I drank out of fear that I was never going to get the things I wanted in life. And so I drank and I drank and I drank. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, 
that the intention behind your choices and your actions and just the awareness you can bring to it, even if that awareness is, I'm choosing to drink today, totally fine, but don't let the alcohol own you, like uh, bring some level of ownership into the choices that you're making. And I guess to touch back on, again, there's, this is an interesting subject because it is something that can be really problematic and detrimental to people's lives. I think it's really interesting that alcohol is the socially acceptable drug that literally kills and so many people, ruins Mm -hmm. so many lives, destroys families, and is this really terrible thing. And we don't even second guess whether we want that in our life or not, because culture and society tells us that this is what's supposed to be in our life. This is the social thing. Everyone does it. Yeah, totally. And it's like, actually, if you look at the facts, alcohol has probably ruined more people's lives than heroin, yet we have this huge taboo around other drugs and substance abuse. problems but not realizing alcohol is one of the most commonly abused substances because society says like yeah go ahead do it yeah and just on that note because again thinking of tips tricks resources things that are going to help you on your own journey that uh, I don't even think it necessarily takes a an extreme dependency on alcohol or feeling like you have a legitimate problem or consider yourself an alcoholic, but I really am a huge fan of 12-step programs. Yeah. And I will say it again because I know I mentioned it earlier, but I am in a 12-step program for codependency, which hoping that one of the episodes we get to talk about codependency because it's something near and dear to my heart. Uh, And I feel like not enough people, I feel like more people are becoming aware of what that is. And I just want to spread more awareness about it because it's changed my life. But anyways, the whole point of that being that there are free resources available to you. And I think that there's something really beautiful about having support groups. And I feel like that there should be support groups for everything in life because we all could use a little bit of support and also just sharing in the fact that we aren't alone and going to meetings and hearing people share their struggles, but also their hope in recovery is a really powerful thing that I think has the potential to help anyone, even if they don't feel like they necessarily have an extreme problem with alcohol, that Mm -hmm. there are plenty of free resources like support groups, like I love therapy, but also my support group has been something that has been a huge part in me discovering even, even though it was for codependency, I discovered that there were other things in my life that needed to be looked at including drinking and like through building my self-esteem through this 12-step program, I think I've been able to release a lot of the control that alcohol had on my life. So yeah, here's Nisha preaching about the deep stuff as usual. I love it. No, it's actually so funny that you mentioned support groups because last week I went to my first like ever support group and one of my like really good friends had put it together and it's for like a variety of mental health just kind of like things but we talked about anxiety a lot which I think is so funny because when you think about like being like let's get together people with anxiety and talk about anxiety (laughs) it's like I don't want to go but it was so like that's amazing yeah it was so I know and I actually went I didn't let my anxiety get the best of me um but it was really like I think when you have anxiety or 
codependent, you know, anything mm-hmm. you kind of think like something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one who's like this. And the whole conversation with like this group was like, oh, you're like this. I do that too. And it was like so reaffirming. And I also it think is. like you made a really good point earlier of like, I used to, if I was feeling really anxious, I would come home and have a beer or have a glass of wine to like ease my anxiety, which would make my anxiety worse. And I just had this thing in my head of like, oh, I'm just a very anxious person. I have really bad anxiety. And this is just like the card I was dealt. And now when I feel really anxious, I like sit with it and just let myself feel it. And we'll practice like mindfulness or yoga or whatever. And like, it Instead goes of coping away with alcohol. Yeah, it goes away or if if not, it at least like way lessens and I can make an action plan versus like, well, don't know what to do about this. Guess I'll like, you know, just Drink. keep avoiding it. Yeah. So yeah, that's been well, really it's crazy. surprising. I think that, again, we're taught and I don't like that's what's so frustrating is that I think that it's so normalized that we don't even think twice about it. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. you had a long day at work, turn on the TV and have a glass of wine. And it's like, Oh my gosh, that is coping at its finest. That is literally avoiding all possibility that you have to reflect on your feelings, feel your feelings, observe what's happening for you because you're just numbing out to something. Yeah. We don't even realize it. Yeah. We don't even realize that we're just like, Oh, this is normal. Like, and also to not even question that maybe alcohol might be making you more anxious because it's socially accepted as like, this is what you do to unwind. Right. This is how you relax. And it's like, actually I can give you a list of a hundred other ways to relax. I'm not relaxed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) might actually help you relax like have you ever taken a hot bath and lit some candles one of my favorites essential oil diffuser Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's lots of wonderful things that can help you to unwind and yeah it takes a shift but one of the biggest things that I learned in recovery is like creating a new normal for yourself and that's something that I love to do so even if you've done something one way your whole entire life I promise you that they're exists another path and another can always change yeah yeah can always teach an old dog new tricks yeah I've learned a lot of new tricks and I am an old dog (laughs) so old um do you have anything else you want to like share with the class Yes, let me go into my longest tangent yet. No, I would just say that uh, I want to encourage everybody to reflect on the decisions that they make and ask themselves, are they coming from a place of fear or are they coming from a place of love? Mm. And if you can make that choice to have a drink and it's coming from a loving, pure place and you know yourself and you're centered with yourself and it's an empowered decision like get on with your bad self. And if you're not there yet and you're still making the choice to do it anyways, totally fine to respect where you are and yeah. where you're at on your journey. But understand that I noticed my life improved tremendously when I started to act in from a place of love uh, versus a place of fear. And that took a lot of work to it's understand. so hard to do, yeah. Yeah, to understand what it actually means to make choices out of love versus fear because I subconsciously was choosing out of fear my whole mm-hmm. life without understanding that that's what was actually going on. So when you don't know that's what's going on, it's hard to change. Anywho, so I would just say that... Uh, It's okay to 
make a different decision for yourself, even if it's something that society doesn't necessarily support, because I feel like it's either you drink or you're an AA. Yeah. And that there can be a group of people. And I've noticed it a lot in different groups that I'm a part of that it's becoming more of a thing. So if you feel like you're alone, know that there are people out there and you might have to look for them. They might not be in your immediate circle right now, but there are people out there that are curiously sober and exploring other options besides drinking and that you can find your tribe within that community and that there's a lot of resources if it's something that you want to explore and that of course Lizzie and I would always love to chat with you all about it yeah and yeah if you have any questions for us definitely let us know because we can expand on this topic outside of this episode for sure 100 percent Yeah, I think I would just say, like, anytime you do something that's different from what society as a whole is doing, it's scary. Like, when I went vegan, Mm -hmm. it was like, (laughs) you know, I felt like I just stuck out like a sore thumb. But I also, like, when you do hard things is usually when you feel the most empowered and rewarded. And Mm -hmm. when I made this choice for myself, I was going into it as, like, this is going to be so hard and just, like, awkward. And it's been so much easier than I thought. And also, like, I've met so many people that are also curious about not drinking and so just know like you might not know any of them right now but there are other people out there and that you know you only get this like one life you might as well fucking do with it what you want to do that feels really good (laughs) and so yeah don't be afraid to go against the grain it's really empowering and anytime I do something like that I just realize like how capable I am of doing a lot of really badass stuff. So don't be, don't be afraid to try it out. I love that. I love that so much. So, so many good points there. All right, Lizzie. So I would love for you to share with us your yay for the day. Yeah. Yesterday morning I got up. So we record on Mondays. So I would just like to tell the listeners that I woke up at 6 a.m. on a Sunday (laughs) to go downtown Seattle under the Space Needle, which is called Seattle Center, if you're not from Seattle. And I ran a 5K. Hell yeah. Called the Hot Chocolate 5K. So they got... Mm. We got hot chocolate at the end and I love running, but I've been really like being kind of scared of running. Like I'm like, oh, I'm not in shape. So I've been going on these like kind of short runs and I was able to do the whole 5k. It was great. It was a beautiful day. And then I got done. And by the time I got home, it was only like 8am. So I had like the whole day ahead of me and it was just like a cool reminder that like just to try things out and that your body's probably like in better shape than you think it is. Or even if it's not like, what do you have to lose? And it was really fun. I met this really nice woman as I was running who was in her 60s, who competes in triathlons with all her girlfriends from high school, which I thought was really badass. And yeah, it was just a fun reminder that I really love running. Yay. I think that's so exciting. I love... uh... I've never done a hot chocolate run, but I've always seen them. And I'm like, that sounds like my kind of run. When I saw your little yeah. goodie basket at the oh end my God. of like chocolate and hot chocolate, I was like, that's what I want at the end of all my it runs. It was so great. Okay. And also they did, I'll just like throw this out there. You like had to walk up to like a tent to get your hot chocolate thing. And as people would walk up, everybody in the tent would start screaming and cheering. And so the first person Aww. in front of me, I was like, is this like Macklemore or somebody? Is this like a famous? <laughs> 
famous person. And then I realized they were just doing it for everybody. Aww. And everybody who was there was like, you're amazing. Nice job. Like, we're Gosh. so proud of you. Uh, and I was like, goosebumps. I'm going to cry. No. And I was just like, wow, what a great way to start the day. But I like, it was so funny. I like didn't go in line because I was like, oh, they must be cheering for like a celebrity or something. <laughs> no, we're cheering for you, Lizzie. You deserve to be cheered for. <laughs> but it was really great. And everyone, and then I just like, I never have done this by myself. I've like done it with friends, but then I just like stood on the race course and like cheered for people for like a couple <sighs> minutes. Like I was like, yeah, go. And everybody was really into it. And it was just so fun. That is so amazing. And that actually reminds me, I was fortunate enough to get to go and watch part of the New York marathon Mm. uh, which is one of the biggest ones in the u.s people go crazy for it so what's really cool is that most people will wear their name on their bib and so as you run by we spent like an hour just sitting there and every single name we called we'd be like you go shauna you got this bob go bill you can do it and everybody just looks at you and they're like face lights up and they're like i can do this yeah and like you want to talk about like how building like joy in your life is through like lifting other people up 100 like, there's something so beautiful about cheering each other on in life and that running and races and things like that provide us the opportunity for to cheer yeah. for each other and it's such a beautiful thing it was so fun and I was like yeah like your to your point people were like so happy and excited and like I get excited when people cheer for me and I was yeah. like man I want to just like go do this more often maybe it's why we were cheerleaders but I oh, do yeah. think that there PSA. <laughs> is something to be said that we like all could do probably do a little more in our life is to cheer for the people around us yeah 100% and that everybody wins you feel good for cheering them on and they feel good for being it's not a bad thing yeah like it's doesn't take any energy from you it gives you energy and gives energy to others can we just talk about (laughs) the fact though that so station I went to a small high school and (laughs) it was a public high school but so we would often play against like private religious schools And we thought it was so funny in high school to cheer like evolution when the religious schools would come visit. And now that I think about that, I'm like, why did, why did any of the adults let us do that? Oh my gosh. I can't even believe it. I think I blacked that out because it's like, what is wrong with us? It's so terrible. Like what was wrong with us? Just goes to prove that teenagers are the worst human beings. Teenagers are so kooky, but also I love them. Um, Like the girls I coach are sweet baby angels. Yes, they have redeeming qualities, but um, but being a teenager they is also, also mortifying. Can be pure evil, one hundred percent. What's your yay for the day? My yay for the day is going to be. It's funny. I feel like everything. Why I love doing what I do is that I get so much out of it as well, which is such an amazing symbiotic relationship with like coaching and what I do because even just recording this podcast after we touched on mindfulness last week I really have refocused on my mindfulness practice Mm, and it's been something that has been really exciting for me and I even went and recorded a loving kindness meditation which we can include listen to it guys everybody listen to it And I've actually listened to it a few times as well as a few other meditations, but I've been meditating at least 15 to 30 minutes a day. And I went and I got like a meditation mat and bolster pillow, whatever they're called. Bolster, yeah. And 
And I'm going to make like a little corner for like a dedicated practice for it so that I have a space for it, which I'm really excited That's about. That's amazing. Like, I feel like I mentioned it in my newsletter, but just being more intentional with my spending and my consuming. And so I mm-hmm. don't often buy things for myself, but I was like... This is something that's clearly here to stay in my life. So investing in having a little space for myself where I'm going to be more encouraged to be brought to my practice because I do think that it's important to have a space where you can dedicate to doing that work because otherwise if I'm like, I'll just do it when I'm in bed and it's like, or I'll just go to sleep. So so my A for the day is that uh, I'm getting more recommitted to an active meditation practice Mm. and I'm excited to see how that expands and making the time and it's funny too because today I was on my run and I had to finish so I could get back and record this podcast and uh, I was like oh I don't have time to sit for 12 minutes and do a meditation and I was like I think that's exactly the time that you need to do a meditation yeah, station. That's it's it. the time you think you don't have time. 100%. So I was able to sit down and do that meditation. And I just Amazing. feel better by getting to put it back into my life, bring it back into yeah, my life. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I also think it's kind of that, like, when you mentioned your meditation pillow, it's sort of like when you get really nice running shoes or like a nice yoga mat or like whatever your thing is it like inspires you to then like want to do that thing even more and I think that yeah even if you don't really buy stuff for yourself that's really important to do like to take the time to do for yourself yes I'm really excited yay I'm proud of you. Yay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Yes, we appreciate you so much. And we really hope that you got a lot out of this episode. And it would always mean the world to us if you subscribe. And if you like what we have on this episode, definitely share it with a friend, a family member. If you know somebody that has brought up this topic before. And I think together we get better. So it never hurts to share. Yeah, don't be afraid to. I was really afraid to bring it up to my friends. And then every person I did bring it up to was like, oh, I also am trying to not drink or just like, that's super cool. And ask me a lot of questions. So you got this. Hey, you got got this. this. (laughs) Hey, you got this. We've come full circle. So join us next week as we dive deep into relationships. Lots to discuss. Relationships with romantic partners, relationships with friends, relationships with family. Relationships come in all different shapes and sizes, and we're here to discuss it all. And we're here for you. Namaste. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Yes, Stacia signing off. This is Liz Dog signing off. Goodbye. Ciao.